Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Elevate podcast, the podcast that's out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with my good friend, Molly Seifert. Molly is a certified holistic health coach who teaches women how to stop obsessing about food and their bodies. Molly's favorite thing is seeing women stop dieting for good and finally learn how to be truly healthy through intuitive eating, self-kindness, and confidence. In this episode, Molly and I talk about her journey to becoming a health coach, how to develop a healthy relationship with our emotions, and implementing structures that actually have you winning. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to say thanks so much for being here. Uh, it truly means a lot that you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you. the podcast yay thanks for having me so excited it's so fun to here. be like across the table from you yes it's <laughs> honestly it's such a different experience yeah. recording in person than recording over the phone or yeah. over zoom yeah i can look in your eyes look right into it's your great. eyes into your soul. <laughs> awesome well, i'm super excited you're here um everybody got a little bit of a taste of who you are uh in the intro to this podcast but i'd love to have for have you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're up to yeah oh gosh do you want like the long version or the short version the, the molly version <laughs> the that's molly the, version. That's the version i want uh the medium-ish version uh so yeah i am a certified health coach who works specifically to help women stop dieting and become intuitive eaters but for me really it's so much bigger than food and body it's really about becoming just intuitive about your whole life and feeling in charge rather than feeling like we have to have these rules and be controlled by society. And that's what I see my clients do. And that's what I've seen for myself through starting my whole personal development journey around food and food freedom. And I see this with my clients time and time again, and it just brings me so much joy is that they start to feel in charge around food. I like to say in charge instead of in control. I just, it's a little fun word switch, but feeling in charge around food helps them just notice that, wow, I can be in charge of every aspect of my life. And how can I use these tools to apply them to just about every part of my life? And so that's what I love to kind of send them off after my program with and be like, now you have these tools, go do with them what you want. And it's just really amazing to watch how they apply it to their lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, it's so cool. It sounds like, um, it's also like mindset coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's just the medium or the thing that you happen to be talking about is food. Totally. I love when like, it'll be like a few weeks into the program and people are always like, wait, so this really isn't about food, is it? And I'm like, no, it was not. And they're like, it's never, it's never been about food for themselves. You know, like, not like I like, you know, pulled the sweater over them and was like, oh, this isn't actually about food. Like Surprise. they realized for themselves, like, oh, all these issues I thought I had around food actually have nothing to do with food. And then that's when we can really start digging into some of those old stories and belief patterns. And that's when they really start to see progress. So it's fun to watch that. I love that little aha moment. It's like my favorite. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. cool. Um, 
as a, because we're both coaches, being on the phone with somebody and, or being in person with somebody and watching the thing finally click. Mm -hmm. And this, Mm -hmm. it's like almost this totally new, uh, opportunity or like way of living or way of being Mm -hmm. opens up for them in that moment. And it's so cool because that's not ever something that you can lose. Yes. That stays with them yes. forever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's almost like they level up. Like you can tell they're on a different vibration, but yeah, there's like literally no turning back at that point, which is so cool and powerful. And honestly, part of the reason why I believe so much in food freedom, because I've had clients be like, yeah, I had a day where I thought like, man, maybe I should go back on a diet. And immediately I was like, oh wait, no, I can't even do that. Like there's no part of my body that could actually do that because there's really no turning back. And I think it's cool. Like you said, there's, that happens at every level. Once you level up, there's no turning back, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. And of course we go through hard periods of life and hard seasons, but now you have tools that you can never give back in the most, in the best way possible. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you get involved in that? In food freedom and intuitive eating? Yeah, totally like my own story and history. So where where do I start with that? (laughs) I think it honestly started, I have always been a perfectionist, high achiever. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into like old ancestral energetic wounds because that'll be a whole other podcast, but... I have just always been so attached to perfectionism and achieving and it manifested in so many different ways in my life. And then when I was in grad school, there were some things that I didn't feel like I was being perfect at anymore and I wasn't achieving and I got started to get so frustrated. I was like, this isn't going my way because up until then, honestly, I would say 95 plus Mm -hmm. percent of the things I did went the way Mm -hmm. I wanted them, Mm -hmm. which is kind of unreal, but I was like so committed to -hmm. things going my way all the time. So Mm -hmm. in grad school, things started to feel like I wasn't in control anymore and started to kind of, I had been like gluten free and like uh, dairy free. And so I already knew how to manipulate my diet and I figured, oh, well, let me just control this. Let me just lose weight so that everybody, and this is all like subconscious, right? I know these things now, but at the moment I wasn't like, Oh, let me just lose weight. So everybody thinks I look perfect on the outside, but it just was like, Oh, this is something that like I should work on that I'm not perfect at. So let me, you know, work on it. So I was much smaller than I am now. And I was, I'm not going to throw out numbers because numbers don't matter, but I like wanted to like lose a certain amount of weight that was like so minuscule, Mm -hmm. but I was convinced that if once I was at that weight, everything would feel great Mm -hmm. and I would be happy Mm -hmm. and my life would just finally turn around and everything would be great and (laughs) hunky-dory. Turns out that that's not true. (laughs) Shocker. You don't say. I know. It's crazy. Um, But I spent a couple of really intense years tracking my calories, over-exercising, trying to restrict my calories to like an absurdly low amount that like even a toddler could not sustain themselves on. And obviously when you restrict yourself that much, your body does not like that and wants to rebel. So I found myself in this binge restrict cycle. I would restrict and then I would binge because my body was like, Hey, I need some energy. Right. And so, but I thought it was a lack of willpower. I was like, I can't control myself around food. So I started to create this narrative that I was a food addict and I was a sugar addict and I couldn't control myself around food. And so I went through like so many different phases, honestly. First it was calorie restriction. Then I actually had a couple of friends 
I was talking to them about how I wanted to lose this weight and what I was doing and how frustrating it was and blah, blah, blah. And they actually had like clinical eating disorders earlier in their lives. And they were like, Molly, like, honestly, this sounds pretty close to an eating disorder. And like your relationship to food is not normal. And I, and I, it resonated with me. I was like, oh my God, you're so right. This is so not normal. And so that first phase gave myself permission around food again but then started to feel really uncomfortable because I gained a lot of weight rapidly and then went through a phase of like being obsessively healthy because I was under the impression that so many people are that you can't overeat healthy food. Right. Um, and so I was in that obsessively healthy phase, which is another like disordered pattern around food to just be so rigid about healthy food. Um, and then again, kind of had an epiphany of like, okay, well this isn't normal either, (laughs) Molly. Um, and so around that time I'd also gotten my health coaching certification with the intention the original intention of like teaching other people how to eat healthy all the time, a hundred percent of the time, but I didn't follow through with it. And now I look back, I'm like, Oh, I didn't follow through with it because I didn't feel like I could live up to that standard. Right. Because I was still trying to restrict myself in terms of what I was eating, but then also feeling out of control around things like Doritos or Oreos or whatever. Like i could not control quote unquote myself around them. Um, so around that time learned what intuitive eating was read the, there's like a main intuitive eating book. And I was like, Holy shit, this is what I need. And this is what I want to teach to other people. So I implemented it for myself. And then just my life has honestly changed since I started to implement this because it can be deeply emotional work and it brings up a lot of emotions <laughs> that we had been pushing down and trying to like avoid by controlling other things. And, um, now I use that same framework to, to teach other women to learn how to, you know, give ourselves full permission in life and around food and start to pay attention to what goes on. And so I kind of help them walk through that process because it can be kind of scary, you know, like you mm-hmm. thought you had to follow all these rules. Um, and the truth of the matter is anytime there's some sort of restriction, your body and your mind is going to want to rebel against that. It doesn't yeah. like that. So that's the the long and short of, you know, how I kind of got into that. It's totally my own mm-hmm. story and struggle. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, um, this piece around, uh, like natural rhythms mm. in, in whatever mm-hmm. sense you want to use that word. Yeah. Um, and the control is trying to find safety and security yes. in controlling it. Totally. Um, and it sounds like for you, the realization was it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Yep. And mm-hmm. now it's this understanding that there is a, a natural rhythm, mm-hmm. um, especially with something like intuitive eating, like, mm-hmm. Hey, there are times when I'll want to eat this and that's totally perfect. Yep. And there are other times when I won't want to, and that's totally perfect too. Yeah. Um, but it's like this idea of being able to ride the wave instead mm-hmm. of trying to control the wave, which just yeah. never works. Totally. Yeah, I love that imagery. I also recently have had this like realization. This is like old perfectionist Molly would have been like terrified by this idea. But the idea that like we never really arrive, like there's no place that we get and we're like, oh, ta-da, I'm here. Like everything's perfect and great. So like old perfectionist Molly would have been like, well, what's the point? Why? Like I can't, that's not okay to not arrive. Um, but now I have found so much comfort in that. Like, it's almost like, oh, I can like breathe and relax because I know 
that there's no place to arrive to and rather than to, to just instead just ride this wave and like be here and it means that I'll always be working on something. There'll always be something new presenting itself. It's not food and body anymore. I've, I've rode that wave, you know, past that wave. There might be another wave of that at some point in my life. I don't know. But the cool thing now that I've found so much comfort in that, A, we never arrive. B, I'll always be learning and working on something. But C, I have the tools to handle all that stuff. And I'll learn more tools along the way. Kind of like we were talking about at the beginning, like there's really no turning back. And now I have this toolbox to handle whatever comes at me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. And in fact, one of the cool things that I've noticed, and this year has been a huge year of this for me is like embodying my wholeness that I'm not just this like super upbeat, happy, go lucky person. I am that person, but I'm also somebody who gets sad, who's emotional, who gets frustrated, who gets angry and so pissed. Um, so it's been really cool to allow myself to like fully embody those emotions and allow them to come out. And old Molly again would have been terrified by that idea, mm. but now it's like, Oh, this is really actually great. And not as scary as I thought it was kind of like mm. you were talking about, like we want to feel safe. And we've been kind of led to believe that emotions aren't safe. And that's so untrue. So, so untrue. It's interesting. You think about uh, control too. And that's been a big piece of <clears throat> how I've controlled other people's perspective of me mm. uh, or my relationship with other people is mm. by not being fully authentic mm. in my emotional experience and what's happening yeah. for me. And, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm angry, if I'm sad, it's, I smile instead and I say, no, it's fine. Don't it's worry about good. it. It's all good. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, but in reality, it's, it's stifling. Mm. It's stifling. Yeah. And it also doesn't allow for true intimacy and connection mm -hmm. when you're not actually getting the full experience of somebody. Like you're getting them, people get a performance of me. Right. <clears throat> in a sense, they get they get a play version of me yeah. and not the full version of me. Yeah. Ooh, um, that resonates so hard. People have been getting the, the theatrical version of me for a long time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and I it, think stepping mm -hmm. into that full version of you can be scary for you and also different for them. They're like, wait, what? what is this? You know? But what I've found is that the people that truly do love you, you will figure it out no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like whether that be friends, family, a partner, like they, they want that. Mm -hmm. They might not know how to, how to handle it right away. And uh, truthfully, I don't fully know how to handle it with myself or others either, but that messiness can be so beautiful if you let it happen. Yeah. Well, also scary. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, all the things. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it also sounds like there's a, uh, you know, a piece of you that understands that the, discomfort of it or the messiness of it is also key to, mm -hmm. um, moving past it and 100%. getting more of what you want. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super curious because I've been thinking about this recently with, with folks who are really involved in personal development, obviously pretty much anyone who's a coach is mm -hmm. going to be interested mm -hmm. in personal development yeah. and then it's like looking, <laughs> yeah, uh, it just makes everything so much better. Uh, but then also looking at, um, you know, folks who might not be involved in personal development work before or who haven't mm -hmm. done personal development work. Mm -hmm. And there's this piece of, I don't know if willingness is the right word, but the mm -hmm. understanding that intentionally putting yourself into those situations will, even if they're uncomfortable, lead you to getting more of what you want. Mm -hmm. There's like a willingness and a wanting to mm -hmm. learn more and go inward. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious for you, like, do, do you feel like that was something that was always there? Or do you feel like that was something that at some point kind of clicked on for you and mm -hmm. became a part of 
you know, how you relate to yourself? Yeah, such a good question. Definitely was not always there. I mean, as a perfectionist and overachiever, I think that's just what we do is we avoid the discomfort by achieving. And so that was something that I had to learn. And I'm trying to think of like, what was the first, I think the first uncomfortable thing that I had to like learn to sit with was in grad school. So there were so many like it was like a true quarter life crisis in grad school. Like there were like everything around me that I had thought had built up this like grand palace was like legit crumbling. <laughs> I was like, ah. and one of the things that was like super apparent to me. So I got my undergrad in athletic training and got my master's in athletic training and halfway through grad school was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't feel called to do this at all. Like there was some like negative experiences that I think also impacted that. Um, but I just truly was like, this actually isn't for me. And that was really scary. Um, and so I think that was the first time that I like had to sit with the discomfort, even though at the time, I don't think I really knew consciously that I was doing that, but yeah, it's been like little by little. And I've like had to sit with it more and more. It's really funny. Literally last Friday had like a really deep conversation with my coach and almost kind of like created like a flow chart of like how we have to go through this. Um, let's see if I can just like spitball it. So the first part is like noticing that there's some sort of habit or something you want to change in your life. Right. And that's why so many people go to a life coach, right? There's like something that they want to change or improve on or make better. Then you have to see how doing that habit, doing that thing that you're doing now was once keeping you safe and what it was helping you avoid feeling. So like, what were the, emo like for me, for instance, I'll use the example of, um, there's been a couple things that come up, but I'll use the board <laughs> just a little bit easier to talk about. Um, I, at my last job started create, started to create a habit of distraction while I was at work because I did not feel safe at work. I was like the only woman in a sea of blue collar men. And that's not to say that all blue collar men are this way, but you can imagine how it is for a woman working in a warehouse mm -hmm. or manufacturing setting. It was not always comfortable. And I honestly didn't feel safe. Didn't fully acknowledge it at the time, but I did not feel safe. So I started to distract myself and hide and literally hide in my office, hoping that people would not come to see me. And so as I've stepped away from that job and started my own business, I've noticed this habit of distraction has continued, right? So I had to be like, okay, where did this habit start? Notice where it started and what was it keeping me safe from? And then the next step is starting to feel those things that you were trying to avoid. You have to feel those things to heal them so that you can move forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the, the, flow chart. You guys can't see me here, but I'm making a little flow chart motion on the table. Um, but it's notice what's going on, what you want to change, what you want to improve on. Ask yourself, you know, where did that start and what was it keeping me safe from? And then whatever it was keeping you safe from feeling, you got to start feeling those things. You got to either go back into those moments and almost like allow and relive those things to come through or just moving forward day-to-day -day life, allow yourself to feel those things and, and allow it to be present and sit mm -hmm. with it mm -hmm. instead of continuing to push it down. Mm -hmm. And that's how we move forward. And I was like, whoa, this is like, you can apply that to literally everything. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a really, uh, 
it's like a straightforward framework too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It actually like helps you understand, oh, here's something that I can apply to different scenarios or different things yep. that I have going on in my life. Totally. Um, and then ultimately comes down to this idea that, um, and I've been thinking a lot about this recently is just being in total acceptance of what is, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and especially with emotions, I think, unfortunately there is a, uh, pretty tragic lack of emotional education. Most people mm. don't understand oh my God, yeah. how to... Don't even get me started. <laughs> don't understand how to relate to their emotions yeah. or don't understand uh, how to manage their emotions or take care of themselves emotionally. And so, so often it's this concept of, well, if I just don't feel it or if I ignore it, then it'll go away, mm-hmm. which it won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... Surprise! It doesn't go away. <laughs> Right in the moment for a hot second. Yeah, but it's still there. This going come right back. Yeah, it's still there. (laughs) Yeah, but it's but you know that's become the norm. That's a norm Mm -hmm. for so many people. It's like, well, I'll just push it away and do whatever. And what I've realized recently is in doing that, in in disallowing a, a part of reality, like a part of your present experience, it creates this split energy. Mm. It creates this stuckness. It's like trying to push a beach ball under the water. Like it just doesn't work. It's going to get mm. exhausting. Your arms are going to get tired. Are you the one that tired. told me that analogy? I think we might've talked, I think okay. on, maybe on your podcast when I was mm-hmm. on your podcast. And then I think I stole that. Okay, perfect. Yes. It's a great, po- it's a great analogy. It's, it's a great analogy. analogy. Anyways, um, but, uh, but it's exhausting. Yes. After a while. And so there's there's so much to be said about just getting uh, clear on what's so with mm-hmm. yourself emotionally, mm-hmm. um, which can be scary to do. Yeah. Awesome. I always think too about like how many times as a kid were you sad or angry or even as like a young adult and somebody said, oh, don't be sad mm. or you shouldn't be mad about that or basically invalidating what you're feeling and how confusing is that mm. as a child, especially because you're like, wait, but I feel this thing because children are fantastic at feeling emotions. I mean, watch a kid throw a temper tantrum. Like I wish adults could do that in a more like obviously adult like mm-hmm. way, but like they throw a temper tantrum or they scream and they get it out and then they move on with their lives. Mm. Like that's what we should be doing. But mm-hmm. Especially as a child, we're told, oh, don't be sad. Don't cry about that. Um, And like I said, it's so confusing. So like you said, that split energy, like it starts so young. Totally. I think um, so many people are starting to learn that now, especially our generation. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, so I might have more friends with kids, but I see my friends trying to encourage their kids emotions in such a different way, which I think is really cool. Now that's not to say that like our parents messed up, like every single parent is doing the best that they absolutely can. And I'm sure there is something that our generation is going to totally screw up for our kids in their generation, because you never know what's going to be what life is going to be like in 20 years. So our parents did the best they absolutely could. Right. But it, it, that was the norm then was to push away emotions. And mm. so how are we supposed to learn? So mm-hmm. now we're learning as adults. So, yeah, it's like an awakening mm-hmm. of sorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did just, um, wanted to ask you too. So with the intuitive eating, um, I actually, I've heard you talk a little bit about it before, but I'd be super curious to hear more about like what, uh, you are particularly attracted to about that modality of coaching, mm-hmm. um, and almost like your like your unique perspective or what you feel like you bring that um, is your spin on it, so to speak. Yeah, good question. So I'm attracted to it because it is my story, very much so, and I feel so connected to my ability to help other women through that because I've 
been through the depths of all of that and I've seen the whole process. Um, what I always kind of like talk about as like my unique perspective um, is that so often people dive into intuitive eating without a solid foundation, without any of that personal development work. And so I actually, this is an exciting time to talk about this because I'm going to be releasing my new like framework that I've developed over, you know, five rounds of this program now, kind of seeing women walk through this. Um, so I'm calling it the food freedom stability system. And really what it is, is a super basic framework of personal development. And it's what... First is like, what's your like why of like food freedom? Like what's your purpose of food freedom? And I help people create a purpose statement there. But then what are your values? Like what do you value in life? Like I think it is so detrimental that kids are not asked that at a younger age. Uh, like what's important to you, right? So it's almost like these four pillars to me of like how to step into intuitive eating in a stable way, because so often people just dive in, think that they need to go buy all the Oreos and Doritos. And then they're like, oh my God, how can I do this? Like, I'm never going to be able to control myself around it, but it's because they didn't create this solid base. Like I almost, I do, um, compare it to building a home, right? You try to build a house without a foundation. It's going to fall over the first time there's a rainfall and the ground gets muddy. Like it's going to fall over. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why you build a foundation. So that's kind of my spin on intu on intuitive eating. Well, not necessarily a spin, but like this is what I bring to this space is I help people build that foundation. So the first piece is the why. The second piece is the values. The third part is like almost like your essence, your magic. Like what do you uniquely bring to the world as a human? And how can you start living through those things more, your values and your magic? Um, and then the last part is just like a, another why of like your purpose statement as like you being on this planet. So those are the big four pillars that I see. And once people start to realize what their values are and what their magic is, and they start doing teeny tiny things, like I'm not talking like quit your job and like start a nonprofit for blah, 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 whatever, you know, I'm talking about really small things. Like is part of your magic, like compassion and kindness, like, can you like hold the door open for somebody and really be in that moment? you know, like, and just like smile at them. Like I, that was what, something that I did with one of my coaches was just like, one of my gifts is to like, be able to walk into a room and like lift up the energy. Like that's something Hayden's over here, like smiling. Cause he, mm -hmm. he, he has seen that with mm -hmm. it of me, you know, like, and I can do that at the cash register at Starbucks. I can do that holding the door open for someone. It doesn't have to be me like leading some, you know, crazy talk or like event, right? Like doing it in, teeny tiny micro steps is really how people start feeling more confident in themselves, mm. especially when it's something or like a true essence piece that you feel like you've lost. That was a big thing for me. I felt like I lost that Ooh, like energy cool. piece and I was like, Oh, I still have that. And I can start doing it in small ways. It doesn't have to be anything big and crazy. So that is one of my favorite things to watch people step into, especially women who have felt like their worth is determined by their body size mm. for so long, mm. starting to help them see um, that their worth is so much bigger and so much more important than anything that their body could ever bring. Their body is just a vessel, right? To bring these beautiful gifts to the world. And when they actually start seeing themselves doing these things, they're like, oh, wow, I actually am valuable. And mm. like, that is some powerful shit. Yeah. That's so cool. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Um, in that framework, so you said the first one was why. Mm -hmm. What's your why? Mm, my why in terms of like what I, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. 
honestly, it is to raise women up um, because I have my own stories of how I have felt out of place as a woman. And I feel like I have dimmed my light because of that. And what a fucking amazing, sorry, I'm not sure if we're allowed to swear on here, guys, <laughs> but I just did if he bleeps it out. <laughs> what a amazingly powerful world when more people are living through their true essence mm. and not just, not just women, but I think the, the ripple effect will affect everyone. Mm-hmm. I only work with women, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that my work doesn't affect men because when I work with someone who's in a partnership with a man, you better believe that her living in her essence is going to encourage him to also live in his essence. And so I think that's my big why is to have more people rising up into their true essence and power as the best human that they can be and just let that have the ripple effect. I love that. Yeah. Marianne Williamson uh, has a yes, quote, has a very famous exactly quote. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, our greatest fear is not that we are not equipped, but they were powerful beyond measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm totally going to butcher the second part, which is the piece that I'm pointing to, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, something along the lines of when we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to mm-hmm. do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part that I love about this work. I mean, yeah. that's the, that's the piece. That's why we're sitting here talking right now. That's mm-hmm. why this is, go, you know, going out onto the internet. This is why I'm doing the events that I'm doing. This is why I'm doing the content that I'm doing. Um, it's all about elevating and creating yes. consciousness, creating mm-hmm. more awareness, creating, yep. um, you know, people coming into touch with themselves, mm-hmm. coming home to themselves, yeah. um, because there's no downside. There's, there is no downside to creating more consciousness. There's mm-hmm. only an upside. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that the best part is when you interact with somebody, when I interact with somebody or when you interact with somebody and we're showing up super authentically and genuinely, I think it gives other people permission to, to do the same. And people mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. People like having permission. People like being in environments where they don't have to perform and mm-hmm. they can just show up and, and just be. Yeah, totally. I think you're so right. It, it affects everyone. And, and when one person starts showing up as themselves, the other person is like, Oh, I wonder if I can do that for myself. You know, like mm. I had one client, we were having a conversation and I was like, well, tell me if this sounds right. It sounds like you just really want to be seen, heard and acknowledged in these situations. And she was like, holy crap. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. And she even like created an example. She was like, sometimes when I'm talking to my mom, I feel like she's not actually paying attention to me on the phone. Like she's doing so many other things. So I don't feel like I'm being seen, heard and acknowledged. And so a couple weeks later, she was having a conversation with her and she just opened up that line of communication was like, Hey mom, this is something that I need from you. And her mom was like, Oh, I get that. I'll pay attention more. I will sit down and pay attention to you when we have a phone conversation. Like it is those little, I mean, that's a pretty big step, but like it's those interactions that allow you to like speak your truth and ask for what you need Mm. and go and just like let it flourish. Mm. So how, um, I'm curious for you, like how has your relationship to your needs shifted over time? Mm. Yeah, this year has been a big one for my needs. Um, It has been, I'm still a little uncomfortable with this if I'm being totally honest about asking other people for certain space and boundaries. Um, I have some like familial history stuff that I had to like set some hard boundaries that I, I want to like loosen up ultimately. And that was like, that's my goal. And they know that, but for right now there had to be like a hard boundary, but also in terms of like 
helping myself meet my own needs um, in terms of downtime, like intentional downtime, instead of just scrolling through Instagram, I've noticed like, wow, that really isn't rejuvenating me at all. But even putting my phone away and watching a show on Netflix is like totally a different game for me, right? Like that actually does feel like downtime. So it's funny that like some people would binge on Netflix and that's a way for them to numb. But for me, it was my phone. So I had to put my phone away and be present with the TV show. And that for me is not numbing. You know, that is actually downtime for me. But sometimes it's, I need to go take a walk or I need to um, go to the grocery store or whatever. Like it's, it's all these like little daily activities making them more intentional to like help myself just feel more present. Um, I am definitely a person whose brain is working at hyperspeed all of the time. Um, and it probably is really frustrating and annoying for the people around me because I'm already 10 steps ahead of them and not in like a, I'm just better than you. It's like, this is just how my brain works and I can't, I shouldn't say I can't. I'm working on slowing it down by meeting my own needs of like downtime and calming myself down and grounding myself. So, I mean, as I've started to recognize my need for that, for my own healthy brain and body, it's been so much easier to incorporate self-care in an intentional way. Like it hasn't felt forced. Like I need to meditate every day. I meditate most days, but it's usually just to like, yeah, I could use that today. And then I do it. It's not like I've been, I have to track it on my phone and I have to meditate this many days in a row. Like that is, it's funny because that's so much like how I used to be around food. Like I have to do these things. These are all the things I have to do. And I have found for me personally that I need like a, and we were kind of talking about this before with like what I need to do to be productive. I need like a gentle structure, but I also need to be able to like flow through that and to my own needs and abilities and whatever I'm feeling in the moment. And so like learning the things that are going to help me fill myself back up is that gentle structure, Mm. but using the tool that I want to each day is that flow. Like, Mm. okay, today I'd like to just take uh, my, my shower as like five minutes longer, you know, and just like be in the shower and relax or I want to take a longer walk today with the dogs. It, and it, like I said, like it doesn't have to be like, I need to go to a 90 minute meditation class. If that's what you want to do, cool. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying that will not work for me because mm. sitting for 90 minutes is just not going to work at this point in my life. Maybe one day, but, um, learning what works for me and having that gentle structure and also allowing the flow has been epic this year that's awesome for me. yeah it's uh it sounds like structure from love versus structure mm. from fear mm. oh my god i love that because structure can be so beneficial but i i'll never forget this conversation i i have a friend who she was really strict in her morning routine and she was like and then i went on this trip and i couldn't do my morning routine and i just felt like a wreck And I thought to myself, I was like, well, that doesn't sound like self-care then. If you feel like a total wreck when it doesn't happen, you know? And that's so true. That's exactly what that is. Structure from fear or structure from love, Mm. you know? And structure from fear is rigid and it feels crazy. And if you fall off of it, it feels so hard to get back on. But structure from love is flexible and fluid and Mm. bends and moves with your life. But it's always there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I love that. The compassionate mm-hmm. approach to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. We talk in um <clears throat> we talk in coaching about well being as being foundational. Mm-hmm. So if well being is out, 
it's very difficult, you know, a la the house analogy that you made earlier. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to actually win during the day because you're tired, because you're hungry, because you're overwhelmed, which Mm -hmm. is... Prior or contrary to most people's belief, is a choice. Overwhelm is a choice. Mm, oh <laughs> um, man, it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, but but, but it's all these pieces that need to be in place in order for you to be able to show up, you know, at your highest and best. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, not only well-being needs physically and emotionally, but also in relationships mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, like having your needs met from other people, getting mm-hmm. acknowledged, yeah. um, spending quality time with people. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I was curious about too, is like in, in your relationship with needs, like how has that also shifted inside of relationships? Mm, yeah, for sure. Because I, I'm a big believer in like, meet as many of your needs on your own as you can, but also recognize that you're going to need some needs met by other people for sure. And this year has also been another big one of, I love my girlfriends from home and high school and in college, but in terms of what I need from a friend relationship, they're not able to provide that for me at this point in their lives because they're married with kids and that's fine. It took me a really long time to accept that. <laughs> uh, it was really hard and frustrating to feel like I was being left out and ignored, but it's yeah. really just because they just have so much other stuff different. going on yeah. and we're in different places and that's totally okay. So this has been a big year. And part of the reason why I reached out to you is like, I need to reach out to like-minded people that I can surround myself with and be in community and relationship with and start new friendships, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, that has been a hard process. I mean, making, making new friends as an adult, I always joke different ball game that it's like, (laughs) I joke and I'm like partially serious, but also like, it's a little extreme that it's like harder than dating. I swear because dating, you could go on a date with someone and be like, Hey, sorry, I'm not interested. Yeah. And everybody moves on, yeah. but you can't like hang out with a person and be like, Hey, sorry, I don't sorry, like you. No. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Right. Yes. So that's in that sense, I feel like, um, making new friends as an adult is kind of harder. Mm. Um, but I also think that it's so helpful to know what you're looking for and like, just who you jive with and Mm -hmm. reach out to those people and make intentional connections with those people. And Mm -hmm. then it's a pretty sure, you know, thing that you'll connect in some way. It might not be exactly what you thought or whatever, and that's totally okay. But yeah, creating intentional relationships has been a huge thing this year that has been like so, so amazing and helpful and scary, but also just the most beautiful thing. There's this concept of, uh, environments, and looking at how environments affect our daily experience of life. And so environments could be, uh, you know, obviously the physical environment that you live in your home. It could be work. It could be the food is, could be considered an environment because mm-hmm. you typically eat the same things. Um, but also looking at your social environment. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing, the thing about environments is that they're acting on you 24-7. So they're always Mm. having some sort of impact Mm. on how you show up and your day and your experience of life. And the cool part then becomes if it's something that's acting on you that often, you can actually leverage it intentionally to create more of the experience that you want. Mm. And so even when it comes to friends, which is kind of a weird way to talk about friendships or relationships, but intentionally creating relationships that serve you Mm -hmm. versus relationships that have just always been there. And I would, Mm -hmm. I would venture to say that the vast majority of people, when they look at their friend groups, it's people that have just 
geographically been close to them mm-hmm. or that they've come into contact with mm-hmm. through organizations through work, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not as intentional as much as, Hey, we just happen to be in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so now we're friends and now we have a shared history and that's great. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. That's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's this whole other experience that opens up when you start to get really intentional about the people that you're spending your time with. And mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate now, you know, I look at the people that I spend my time with, the people that I live with, the people that I'm friends with. And I just feel so fortunate. I feel really, really grateful because they're very compassionate, kind, conscious, want to make an impact on people, the people that I know that I could call if I needed anything. And, you know, they mm-hmm. would be there at, at the drop of a hat. Um, and they're all very kind. They're all very, mm-hmm. very kind, kind mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah. And so I feel really lucky. And it's also been a, an experience and a process of creating that mm-hmm. and not accepting less than that. Yes, totally. Yeah. That also makes me think when you just said environments, like my last job, the environment was just so negative. And you, one thing that I really had to come to terms with is that I was always in choice, right? I was choosing to put myself in that environment every day. And I think a lot of people would argue that like, Oh, I have to keep a job, blah, 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 whatever. And there, there's an element to that, that I I cannot deny you, right? Like we have to have, we have to have the security and safety in terms of like being able to live and exist in this world. However, we do have choice. Like you can leave that job and find another, you can break that friendship off and find another. And, um, I think so often we think that, oh, I just have to, I just had to put up with this, but you really actually don't. Mm -hmm. And you do have choice. Mm all the time. And it might take a while for you to accept that and move forward or let something go. But remembering that you always have choice has been really powerful for me. And like I said, there's times where like, I'm like, okay, I know I have a choice here, but I continue to do what I was doing. That's so human and so normal. But as you start to embody that more, it happens less and less frequently. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there anywhere right now that you have been unwilling to own that you have a choice. Mm, So one area that, so I made, when I was working with my coach recently, like I made a list of like thoughts that were not serving me. And almost every single one of them was really easy for me to be like, here's a better thought that feels true to me. That doesn't feel like, Oh, like everything is great and beautiful and perfect. (laughs) That thought doesn't work for me (laughs) anymore. Right. But the one thought that I was like, I can't rewrite this. Like I can't even make a bridge statement to like make this feel true was that, um, the, the thought that money is hard to make or like it's money isn't easy to get or some thought about like you, it's difficult to make money. Um, and so I have been working so hard first with the, the thought of I'm open to new beliefs, like had to repeat that to myself in the mm. mirror, holding my heart so often. Mm. Um, but there was a period of time there where I was like, I can't change that thought. It's, I can't, I, there, I, there is no part in my body right now that feels like it's able to change. And so I lived in that for a while. Um, and I, I'm kind of in a transition phase of, of that thought. I'm certainly not like, oh, money is abundant and easy to make all the time. Like, I don't believe that yet. <laughs> but I'm also like, oh, I'm open to believing a new thought. So that's definitely something that I've kind of been repeating and living in for a long time and am working on getting out. The, it's so funny. I'm over here nodding like, yes, uh-huh. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, 
you know, even what we were saying earlier about the piece about being open or willing to mm-hmm. do the interpersonal work and mm-hmm. have things go differently. Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool so that true. you recognize, hey, here's this thing that right now in this moment, I'm not willing to move or mm-hmm. I don't see mm-hmm. the opportunity or how it could go differently, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to be in the game and I'm mm-hmm. willing to be open to having something else come in to replace mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it sounds like what you're doing now is at the, in some sense is bankrupting the belief that you have Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Like looking for all the reasons like, Hey, why this doesn't make sense or like really it's very intentionally holding it up to the light Mm -hmm. and maybe not being able to see immediately why it's not true, but the Mm -hmm. longer that you live with it Mm -hmm. and the longer that it's in, you know, your conscious frame of mind, so to speak, the, the, the the holes start to get poked in it. Mm -hmm. And over time it becomes this thing where you're like, Oh, okay. That's actually not, it's not the solid piece that I thought it was anymore. Like it's actually, I can bend it. I can break it up. I can do something different, but, uh, it's the you have to intentionally decide to yeah. bankrupt that yeah. kind of belief. It takes so much work to repattern some of those thoughts in our brain. Like it does, it is not a switch that somebody flips. And I think so often, I just posted about this today about like affirmations. And I think so often people are like, oh, just think positive and things will be better. Like it is truly not that easy, especially for somebody who has such an embedded thought and narrative in their brain. It takes intentional work almost every day, every day, ideally to repattern that and start to see the holes in that story. And it's, it takes a commitment. It totally takes a commitment. What's the, um, like what is So if that's not the belief that you want to empower anymore, what's like the thing that you want to replace it or like, what's the new, I mean, (laughs) ideally I'd love to replace it with like, money flows easily to me and the universe supports me in a way that I need to be supported to share my truth. I I think that was really helpful for me in that like, maybe I don't need to make a million dollars a year, which I don't think I do to live through my purpose and like be fully myself. So putting trust in the universe that it will supply me with whatever I need personally and whatever you need might be different and whatever Christian needs might be different. And whoever listening to this might be different. Like, the, the amount of like true cash flow that you need to like live your purpose is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think instead of like having this like numbers goal, I was just like, oh, let me just allow in what I need and let the universe kind of take care of that. So I think that's, that's the thought I want to replace it with is I'm open to the universe sending me the abundance that I need to do my job. Mm-hmm. And so that has been helped really a lot easier to accept than like, um, money flows easily to me because I think there's still an element of me that's like, well, money is, you know, really hard to make. And like people who have a lot of money are like really bad people. And it's funny because like, I don't know exactly where that thought process came from. I came from a very well supported, financially supported family. Um, but still created that narrative of like rich people are bad. Interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. I think that's there's a, a lot. I've I've seen an energy healer many times. There's a lot of like energetic, like like familial, interesting things going on there. So that, like I said, whole other podcast. <laughs> but for a different time. <laughs> yes, and and lately too, it's so interesting because nobody else in my family seems at other than my mom, but it's like a little bit different. Um, 
seems to be like going through these struggles that I'm going through. Like my sister is just like powers through her career and she just succeeds and does things and moves on with her life. And I was like, why am I the one being chosen to heal all these family wounds? Like, Mm. (laughs) why is it being given Mm. to me? And then I had this moment of like, oh, it's being given to me because I'm the one that's supposed to work through these things. And that's a gift. And that, that all of my ancestors trust me with this. And so that was really helpful to remember too, and to realize was like, oh, I can handle this. Everything that I'm given, I can handle. So it was less overwhelm. Again, we choose overwhelm. Um, it was less overwhelm and more like, oh, literally every single thing that's given to me is meant for me and I can handle. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. I can ride the wave. Yeah, I can yeah. ride the wave. And and it, it also like felt really loving to think like, oh, like my entire ancestral gene pool that's handing all this energetic stuff down to me, like trust me with this. There's a reason I'm being given it. Um, so that kind of made me feel proud, <laughs> which is probably my ego, but that's whatever, awesome. you know, it's fine. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. What, uh, what are you most excited about in 2020? I recently have been getting really excited about like the growth of the amount of women that I get to help. Mm. Um, I, for a while was like, I mean, as a newer entrepreneur, I mean, I've been doing this for a couple of years, but that's still new. (laughs) Um, was always like, am I going to figure it out? Is this going to be successful enough? Blah, blah, blah. And I have really started to actually surrender and be like, I just want to help more women. And I, and I see it, like, it's easier to like, imagine the the possibility of like, Oh, in 2020, I might be able to help twice as many people as I helped last year. So I'm really excited about that. I'm especially excited about my next launch of my program. Um, because I've got some like exciting things that I'm, like I said, that the stability system that I'm excited to release. And I'm also going to do the program just a little bit differently, like structurally, they're going to have like a portal and it's just going to be so much more supported, um, and have that loving structure. Um, so yeah, I'm super, super excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's interesting in talking with a lot of entrepreneurs and also having started a couple different businesses, how the, it's like everyone's flavor of it is different and everyone's uh, story is different, but mm-hmm. there are still a lot of similar concepts oh, totally. in what yeah. you have to come to realize. Yes. And I do think actually surrender is a really important piece of the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Like actually just being in a place where you're like, I can't control everything. Mm-hmm. And it's also not about, um, it's not about getting it right. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about making an impact and it's about serving. Mm-hmm. And when that becomes the number one intention, mm-hmm. everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. Everything else figures, figures itself out. The money mm-hmm. comes to you. The mm-hmm. clients come to you. Yeah. If you're just so keenly focused on serving people and being of service. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. I love mm-hmm. that that's happening. Yeah, um, totally. But again, that takes like intentional work. Like I, this is going to sound so like woo, woo, but I'm a little woo, woo for everybody listening. Like it took like being intentional about like journaling about that and writing about that. But even like every time I see 11, 11, <laughs> this is so, like I said, I literally, if I see it, I'm like, I surrender like every single time. Like it, it just takes repetition. And even if it's a little hokey thing like that, when I see 11, 11, it's repetition in my brain. Mm. Um, so creating those things for yourself is so important. Like I said, even if it's a tiny hook, like seems like it might be a hokey thing. It's still repetition for your brain. Mm. 
Yeah, consistency over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, where can people find you? Yeah, so I live on Instagram. That is where <laughs> I am always. So you can find me on Instagram at Molly Kate Wellness. My website's also mollykatewellness.com. Um, I'm on Facebook a little bit, but usually just channeling people to Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on stories all the time, posting my feed, given lots of like tangible tips and steps, but also just like my behind the scenes, like me washing my hair and being excited about my curls or my dogs sleeping or like, you know, stuff like that. So you get to see the behind the scenes stuff too. Guys, her content is awesome. (laughs) I was like, when I think about who I want to be on Instagram, I'm like, I want to be more like mine on Instagram. That's very kind. Of you. that's You're gonna yes. have to get some curlier hair. Yes, if you want. okay. That's cool. I'm working on it. I'm working. We're gonna grow on, on yeah. the locks. Yeah, I can see it. Um, Might take you a couple years, that. but you can get there. Just about. Uh, <laughs> so I love ending these podcasts in a very particular way. So there's two things that I want to do with you. So one is uh, I, le- I want to leave everyone with some piece of wisdom, some piece of advice um, that they can use to elevate themselves, their community in the world. Um, what would you say is a piece of advice that you would want to share with folks? Yeah, listening? totally. So this piece of advice that I want to share is very much in line with a lot of what we've been talking about today. And it's about these negative thoughts that are playing repeat in our mind. So often people say things like, I'm just so hard on myself. But my piece of advice to you is that those negative thoughts didn't come from you. We were not born negative thinkers. There was some experience or place along the line, whether it be a commercial or a negative experience with a classmate or a parent or a friend that put a narrative in your mind and it continued to play on loop in the background and now you believe it. So that saying of like, I'm just so hard on myself. I want you to really dig in and look, okay, where did this story come from? Not to blame it on other people or to hold resentment, but to get some more clarity on where that story is actually coming from. And you can actually use kind of that framework that we talked about before too. Like, what do you want to change? How is it keeping you safe? What were the emotions that you were trying to avoid and digging into those emotions? Right. But I, it it kills me inside when people say I'm just so hard on myself because it's not you. It's literally not coming from your core self, your essence. We were not born that way. There was some place along your story. And again, it's not to blame or feel resentful or be, maybe you should be angry. I don't know. Maybe we, maybe that's the feeling you need to feel, but it is not you and you are not alone in whatever you're feeling either. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm just so hard on myself, definitely dig into that. It's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, The other thing that I like to do at the end of these podcasts is acknowledgement because I think that there is a tragic lack of acknowledgement out in the world and Mm -hmm. people need more of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So Molly, can I acknowledge you? Yes, please lay it on me. (laughs) I actually learned this from accomplishment coaching, which is like where you are like living and breathing from. Um, and I totally love it. I use it with my clients. People love it so much. I end every single one of my coaching calls with acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. People Mm -hmm. are all about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but Molly, you are pure heart, love connection, I really just want to acknowledge you for your commitment to the people that you're serving and the women that you're serving. Like it's so obvious the sincerity and the compassion that you bring into the work that you're doing because you firsthand understand what it's like to go through those sorts of things. And it's from this very 
deeply rooted place of love and compassion that you want to support other people to not have that same pain. And that's really beautiful. Um, so thanks for being that out in the world. Um, thanks for your commitment to growth. Like, I think that's the thing that I really appreciate about you every time that we connect. It's cool to have these kinds of conversations. Obviously this one's recorded, which is cool. Um, (laughs) but every time that we connect and have a conversation, I just hear more about the things that you're working on and the things that you're doing and, um, continuing to like, look further and deeper into yourself, which can be super uncomfortable and not always the most (laughs) fun thing, but that's ultimately the thing that's, that has us get what we want and we'll have you get what you want. Um, and I've said this a couple of times, but I really just want to acknowledge you for being moxie, 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 moxie. It's just moxie like this Molly. really, yes. It's just like this like really cool, like you just have, I don't know if swagger is the right word, but you're just like this really cool human, um, out in the world. And it's a cool combination of like confidence and, um, I don't know, bravery, um, like in combination with like positivity and energy and love, um, your force of nature. I really appreciate you. I love you very much. Thank um, you. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you more later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> There's a funny story behind Moxie, too, everybody. He yeah. uh, would always say that about me, and I'm always like, what does that mean? <laughs> so if you had to look Moxie. it up on dictionary.com, you are not alone. <laughs> well, Molly, thank you so much, thank you so much for being for on the podcast. Me. Absolutely. Um, for everybody listening, I will put Molly's contact info where you can find her uh, in the show notes. Um, reach out to her. She's amazing. for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.